Are you the owner of a business that just cannot go virtual? Yep, there's a handful of those businesses where converting to a remote setting is near impossible. So what do you do? Well, today in the Waste Up Wardrobe Studio, I'll be talking to an entrepreneur in the bridal industry who completely figured out a creative way to connect and stay connected with her clients when the whole world went virtual and who continues in the most creative of ways to elevate the client experience with her virtual presence. So how did she do it? Well, you know the drill. If you want to find out how she did that, you're going to have to stick around to know, to learn more. Welcome to Waste Up Wardrobe. I'm Christine Bartanian, an attorney turned personal style expert and image consultant. As the founder of Jade for All Seasons, I am passionate about unveiling the inner confidence of my clients by developing their personal style and dressing them for success. But is getting dressed up still important in our virtual world? Well, that's where my experience can help with what I call Waste Up Wardrobe. Waste Up Wardrobe is a podcast for all things you need to conduct an outstanding Zoom meeting. It's about how to dress for the camera, but it's not just about the clothes. It's about everything you need to know to show up on brand and professionally on camera. Join me in the Waste Up Wardrobe studio to discuss how to navigate this virtual world and dominate from behind the desk. Hello, Virtual Nation. Thank you for joining us for episode 39 of Waste Up Wardrobe. We have a treat here for you today as we always try to surprise and delight you. We are going to be talking to an entrepreneur who really knows how to connect with clients and stay connected when when you have a business that really is really hard to take to the virtual level. But before I get started, I just want to say thank you to Rick Moscoso, my producer, who's always in the production room making the whole show go around and 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 elevating my show by uh, being sort of the wings beneath the wings of this show. So thank you, Rick. I know you're there. Everybody knows you're there, and we really appreciate you. So also, I want to say we want this to be a dialogue. We want to answer any questions that might come up for you. And to be honest, this show is particularly, even though our expert is is the wedding fashion expert, and I'll be introducing her momentarily, whatever she's done will apply to any business that could not go virtual when when things went virtual. So really think about your business model as how you can elevate it. If you thought you can't really, you can't really do anything. Um, you can't really connect with your clients if you're working remotely. She will show you how she did it. But I also want to say that we are on iTunes. So subscribe, rate us, review us at Waste Up Wardrobe on iTunes. We're also on YouTube. And uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Waste Up Wardrobe. And we are on Facebook. And this is where we stream from, Facebook. So please um, rate us, review us, and give us some love. We're, we'd really appreciate that. And we hope that we're giving you so much value so that you can elevate your, your online presence and, your, and dominate from behind that desk in so many different ways. Okay. Well, as you know, this uh, series, this, this podcast is set up so that you have literally a library of how to show up virtually, 
how to elevate your virtual presence in every area, whether you are a business that can go virtual, that can't go virtual, if you are somebody who's an entrepreneur that needs some mindset, um, uh, mindset shifting while you're on camera, if you need to know how not to get Zoom fatigue, we literally have an episode for everything you need to know to create and build the most successful, the most professional virtual presence. But today, we are going to focus on how do you do that? How would you create a virtual connection or presence or stay connected to your clients when it's really hard to take your business model and shift it into the virtual or remote world? And to help us do that today is a very special guest. It's Nairi Kalajian is here. She is the wedding fashion expert. She has um, she has given uh, she has taken the virtual world in a very dynamic way, and she has leveraged technology to create an unforgettable customer experience. Her strategies have turned Lovella Bridal, where she is the stylist for the brides there, into a successful bridal brand. Nairi is a best-selling author of the book, I'm Getting Married and I Have Nothing to Wear. Nairi specializes in creating unique customer experiences. She is a master at creating and overseeing the overall business strategy from team building to implementing sales and marketing marketing initiatives, her innovative strategies make her an industry leader. And this is why anything that we talk about here doesn't only apply to the bridal industry. It applies to entrepreneurship in general when it comes to really connecting with the customer without having that ability to do it remotely or being able to convert your actual business completely to a virtual model. She also advises world-renowned designers, helping them refine and edit their collections. She has been featured on Good Morning America, plus so much more. She has styled many celebrities, including recently... Ashley Iconetti from The Bachelor. She has a podcast called Nairi Unveiled, the Nairi Unveiled podcast. And Nairi has been named by the knot.com as the wedding pro educator. I mean, she is a legacy in the in the bridal industry. I'm so honored to have her here on the show. But a, a quick little tip about who she is and what she likes to do in her free time. She enjoys competing and training with her Arabian horses. And Nairi's French bulldog, Nuff, oftentimes can be found helping her style brides as well. So please help me welcome Nairi Kalajian to the show. Hi, Nairi. How are you? I'm so well. What an intro. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. Well, I mean, the intro is is you, really. I mean, wow. you really are a legend in, in the bridal industry. I'm so honored that you're here. There's so much you've done that I just, I almost want to interview you like for a series of five episodes because there is so much that you offer, you know, the entrepreneurial world with the strategy and marketing and just you're so creative when it comes to connecting with clients. You understand luxury experiences. I mean, you, you, you really have seen so many th things from so many different perspectives and that's it's just so great to have you here. But before we get started with the actual interview, I do this thing called the Waste Up Word of 60 Seconds to Know You. So they're basically just rapid fire questions and just, you know, tell me what you like, what comes to your mind right away. And, um, and maybe we even can get some insight into your, you know, personally, like yeah. what you like. Okay. So black or white? Both. I'm wearing both black and white. Well, of course, because white is like what you dress your brides in. So you have to. And I see you wearing black a lot. So I guess that's like your one of your favorite neutrals. Yeah. So black actually in the wedding space started because 
when a bride is in white, typically the groom would be in a black or a navy. So it's that contrast that you would have. But obviously, as things have evolved, that, you know, sometimes there's there's sex, same sex marriages as well, right? So it could be a bride and a bride or a groom and a groom. So that doesn't really apply, but it's stuck with the industry. So most wedding professionals, you're always going to see them in black because it's classic, it's chic, and it allows all the other colors around us to stand out. So we're on the we're on the behind the scenes. I knew there was a reason for that. I mean, you look great in black because it just is like part of your style and your persona. But I knew there was another reason that aligned with the bridal industry. Okay, mermaid dress or ball a uh, ball gown ballroom gown. I actually love both. And my favorite thing is a fitted dress. So you wear like a mermaid and you have a detachable overskirt that goes over it so that you as a bride don't have to compromise on one style or the other. You get the best of both worlds. I love, I love that. And and I'm so glad I asked that question because the bride can have it all. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Dogs or cats? Uh, Dogs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and because we mentioned Nuff, your dog, right? And he, how old is, is Nuff? Nuff is six. Oh, it's yeah. so cute. I've seen him in a lot of your um, just videos and in other, uh, maybe on your website or somewhere. I know I've seen yeah. him and he's adorable. Okay. Mm-hmm. Horseback riding or car racing? Oh, they both have horsepower. So I love both. (laughs) (laughs) No wonder the questions seem to align. (laughs) They both have horsepower. I'm an adrenaline junkie. And I genuinely, I mean, look, on a regular daily basis, I would be on a horse before I'm, I'm racing cars, but I would love to be on a track and racing. I love, I love me a car moment. I am a little bit of a tomboy inside. So I do, I do like the car. I like jet skiing. I'm an adrenaline junkie. Oh, so I, love, I, I love that I learned that about you. That yeah. is amazing. But I do know that you do own um, Arabian, an Arabian horse, or is it more than one horse? I have two. Yeah, so I have two. One is a, a, a one's a purebred Arabian, and the other one's a half a half Arabian. Yeah, and you compete. I do. Yeah, I compete on my half Arab and it's incredible. I I picked this hobby up as an adult and it was, it led me to it through business, through working too much, suffering from migraines with aura. My neurologist told me I needed to change my lifestyle and find things that bring me joy and get me out of work. And horses was one of them. It was super humbling as an adult to pick up a new hobby and be riding at the level of eight-year-olds or five-year-olds that are next to me. And I'm an adult that's learning this. And it was very humbling and incredible. And now it's become a part of my weekly routine and I'm in love with it. So it worked out. What a great way to really fulfill so many parts of your life. You got your hobby, but you also took it to a competition level because you're a go-getter and you're an achiever and that's what you would do. All right. My last, um, my last rapid fire question, big weddings or small weddings? Uh, I personally love a small, intimate wedding. I really do. But then I also love what a big wedding can. So personally, if it were my wedding, I'd want a small wedding because I think that I'm around weddings so much. However, I love attending big weddings and I love my clients that have big weddings because oftentimes couples think that their, their, their gown and their fashion is reflective of the type of wedding they're having, which I don't agree with. But what I love about brides who are having a big wedding is they go all out in the fashion, even though I think you can go all out, even if you have a small wedding, but people's mindset is not that. So I love big weddings for others because it allows them to achieve their ultimate dream of what they want their wedding to be like. But me as an individual, I would love something more intimate and just 
really, I don't know, really quiet and, and beautiful, but I would still go all out. Don't let yeah. that fool you. Like it's <laughs> going to be an all out moment just because like, that's what people don't get is just because it's a smaller scale doesn't mean that you can't go extreme with the things in the decor and all of that. So of course, of course, that top notch quality and, and luxury. And I, I see nothing less. I'm so glad I asked that question. You make some really good tie-ins here to what you do in your personal uh, favorite. So I, I think that's that's really great. And and it's funny that you say that some people uh, associate a bigger gown with a bigger wedding. I, I never thought about that, but it, it makes sense. It really does. Yeah. Okay. So. Yes to the dress. Um, that's a statement that was really popularized by the, you know, the reality show, right? And, um, but, you know, but this is something you help your brides with, like, on a regular basis. So tell us a little bit about this really special journey that leads to that. Yeah, you know, I think that most people assume that this journey is going to be happy and exciting uh, or they feel nervous and tense about it. So uh, there's a lot of emotion that goes into saying yes to the dress. And ultimately, your your experience is based on a number of factors. What store you're going to, who your expert is that's guiding you through that process, and ultimately your feedback, right? What are your expectations? What do you want us to help you with? So it's 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 an interesting journey. And the one thing I will say to everybody out there is don't compare your journey to others because just because your friend or your sister or your cousin had an had a certain experience when she said yes to the dress, that doesn't mean that's going to be your experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that as humans, it's human nature, especially in the world we live in with social media, that we compare our, our bodies, our life, our travel, everything to other people's experiences. And this is just such a unique experience per each individual. And at Lavella, we take you through a process that really makes it more rational and not so emotional about it mm-hmm. because you don't always make the best decisions when it's when it's emotionally based decisions. So we try to take your emotion, craft it in a way that's really rational. So we kind of, pun intended, marry the two of emotion and realistic to really get that that nice combo so that you're not making an error when you're picking your dress. Yeah. Well, so a lot like what I do is psychology. There is a lot of psychology in how you um, interact with your client and the bride to be and really try and um, manage their expectations, but also manage their emotions almost. Right. So you're almost this, this counselor, this guide and coach. So to elevate that customer experience, right. Because, I imagine um, sometimes you deal uh, with different personalities. Some are more, um, you know, um, for the lack of a better word, but like more high strung maybe, and some are more mellow and there's everybody in between. And it sounds like you just have this amazing customer relationship with all your, your customers that, that somehow you diffuse any angst or an, it may be this method that you use. So tell us a little bit about that elevated customer experience that you through at Lavella offer. Yeah. So a lot of it is we have to really observe behavior in terms of body language, right? So we have 15 minutes as a stylist to understand your personality as an individual, your personality as a couple to the partner that you're marrying, and your personality of the guests that are going to be giving their opinion throughout this process. So there's a lot of moving parts where we really have to have our finger on the pulse. 
And so pretty much the way we start our appointments is I will ask my clients to show me photos. Where have they been? What have they tried on? Maybe they haven't. This is their first experience. Okay, great. But the first thing is to see photos. What are the things that appeal to you? So we'll start with two dresses based on the photos that they show us and based on everything that we're hearing. Based on those two dresses, they're going to give us their feedback. Based on that feedback, that leads us to finding them their dress. So we take all the feedback of everything that everyone is saying. And I have to also be, and our stylist at Lavella have to be the filter. So we have to listen to what is mom saying? What is mom-in-law saying? What is the maid of honor saying? What's the fiance, sometimes the fiance is involved in the decision-making too, right? So we're trying to please everybody or the bride doesn't care about what everybody thinks and she's going to do what she wants and how she wants it. So I also have to gauge how is this person planning on making their decision? Is it style-based? Is it cost-based? Is it opinion-based by loved ones? Or is it a combination of all of the above? So there's a lot of dynamic moving parts that go into it. And it's really, really important that we just have our finger on the pulse. We're listening to everything that everybody has to say and all of that. Wow. I mean, this is, um, this is exactly, uh, you know, what makes the customer experience that you offer just an elevated experience and, and just the way you really, um, um, take care of your client and really figure out what they're thinking. You kind of almost have to get into their mind, but not all, not only their mind, you also have to manage everybody around them that is important to them that has something to say. So it's almost like you're really not just trying to um, have one, you don't have one client, you have like a group of clients that everybody has to really agree. It seems like sometimes, right? Yeah, it depends. And that's the, that's the fun part. And the unique part of it is that every experience is different. Every single experience is absolutely unique and we have to figure out what it is that we're achieving, right? And how, who, who am I trying to please? And so it never gets boring and we're always, we're always entertained. It keeps us on our toes. Yeah, no, I, I love the way you phrase it because you phrase it with the most, you know, um, loving and most um, white glove treatment. You know, a lot of a lot of people in marketing and sales tend to get um, overwhelmed by there being too many, you know, opinions that need to be satisfied, right? But I love how you are so great at what you do. I think it's an indication of that, that you actually have a way to really bring everybody together and, and make everybody happy, which I think is amazing. Um, so I ch- kind of want to go into what happened in the last year when all businesses went virtual practically or really just couldn't um, work anymore. And um, the idea with a wedding dress, it's like you really can't create a virtual dress and then put it on a virtual bride and get that guarantee a great fit. I mean, maybe one day, (laughs) but that is definitely um, a, a challenging thing to do. The wedding dress is that one thing that has to fit you like a glove. And so not having that physical, um, you know, model right there so that you can get it right is a little bit tough. So how so tell me a little bit about what happened when you had to, you know, kind of think differently during the the when everybody went virtual and how you stayed connected with your brides during that time. This is a tough one. I mean, I'm not going to even lie to you. I sat on the couch and sulked for about a week because I didn't know how to handle it as 
any human in this entire world trying to figure out how to handle the pandemic, right? It was it was a time where a lot of us, our entire world flipped <clears throat> upside down. So the first week I sat on, I laid on my brother's couch um, after I was in the hospital with my store manager helping her deliver her baby. That was a trip. So, I mean, it was a really insane journey. So with, between the personal life and the business life and worrying about all of our stylists and what we're going to do and how we're going to do it, it was absolutely mental. So to then switch gears, right? We're going through all of this life-changing uproaring of things and to figure out, okay, how do we stay relevant in a world where we are a brick and mortar business? How do we stay relevant to potential customers that had appointment had appointments with us, have dresses coming in with us? How do we stay fresh on top of their mind? And also we we had a lot of clients start to unfollow us because they were so upset about not being able to have their wedding. They were didn't want to see anything wedding related, which is really, really sad. Like they really like their dreams got literally take the rug taken out from under them of it was all crushed, right? All those exciting things to celebrate, new life journeys. It was all gone. So that led me to just TikToking my way through quarantine. I thought, okay, look, there's a lot of stores that are doing these virtual appointments and they have somebody in the store. And I don't believe in a virtual bridal gown appointment. I just don't. There is shopping for your wedding dress is like, is, is like, uh, it's, it is not like any other purchase you've ever made at all. And for me to take that away from you and to give you a compromised virtual experience didn't feel right. It wasn't about the money for me. It was more about that feels like I'm robbing you of an experience that you deserve. And when we can reopen, you get to come in and have that moment. So in the meantime, I'm going to entertain you and I'm going to give you something to look forward to. And I'm going to get you excited for when you are able to come in and shop in store. So that's what this was really all about. And then I just started to create TikToks and make really fun content instead of spending time on virtual appointments, which I knew was not going to serve our brides best. The most important thing for me is to have clients have a remarkable experience, not just with purchasing the dress. That's only one component. Your experience truly begins after you've purchased it, right? So there's this purchasing process, but your true experience with us begins after you've you've said yes to your dress, after you've bought it. And to take that first component away just didn't feel right. So we just TikToked our way through quarantine and found, found that entertaining our clients was the best way to stay relevant, to still have people, to have a little bit of excitement of something to hold on to, to look forward to in the future. Yeah. Well, we're going to put your TikTok um, account on on the, in the comments because I want our audience to experience this. But tell us a little bit about the content that you did, because I've seen these videos and they're on your Instagram platform as well. And um, tell like take your favorite one and like break it down for us. So I think, oh God, there's so many fun TikToks that we've done. I think my absolute favorite is the one that really started it all where um, a, a gentleman on TikTok had created a song, I'm in the house and I'm in the house bored. And so I brought dresses home and I was pretending to, to, to cheers myself in the mirror in a wedding dress, clean my chandelier with like a cute little pink fluffy pen. And so I think that that's one of my all, actually I know that that's one of my all time favorites because that's what really started this journey. And that's the beginning. That's the beginning of where we started to have fun with something that was not fun and very scary and very unknown. 
Yeah. So tell me what that did, though. What was the reaction? What were people's reactions? How did that connect you with the, you know, brides to be or even um, uh, just your audience? It's interesting because the TikTok audience is probably the same age group as the age group of your target market or, or, or that might be a little bit. Uh, over, I, I'm not sure if that's correct, but in that 25 to 45 age range, perhaps. Yeah. So for the tick, so what we did is we made things on TikTok, and then we transferred it over to Instagram. Prior to Reels, I would just post it as like a regular post. So once it hit Instagram, I had so many brides DMing me and just saying thank you for giving me something excited to look forward to. I had wedding planners who can't be planning weddings the way in which they were before saying, oh my God, I'm living for this. Thank you for giving me something exciting to look at on my feed and not hearing about COVID and not hearing about all the depressing stuff. This was a really, the events industry got hit so hard with this, harder than any industry, I believe, because we went from creating these magical experiences and celebrating with people and 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 this to a completely negative downturn of having to deal with all of our clients being sad and rescheduling weddings after weddings after weddings. So the feedback for these TikToks were, oh my God, thank you for giving me something exciting to look forward to. And that's when I went, aha, this is, this is where we're going with it. This is how we're going to stay relevant. And this is how we'll continue to keep our clients. And the second that we could reopen our doors, every single bride that came in through our doors said, I saw you on TikTok. Thank you for entertaining me through quarantine and giving me something to look forward to. So that those comments repeatedly from industry leaders to our potential clients, to our previous clients, to our current clients, that's what kept it going. And that's why we still keep it going. I mean, it's genius because not only did it keep you connected with your <clears throat> audience and your target market, it entertained them, it made them happy at a time that was really, you know, very emotional for them because they this dream wedding and now all of a sudden it's uncertain when it's going to happen, if it's even going to happen the way that they envisioned it, you know, so, you know, their expectations completely kind of falling apart really when it came to their um, really important day. But it's so genius because you also had this opportunity to model um, uh, dresses that maybe otherwise they wouldn't have an opportunity to see so that when they were ready to come in for the dress, they'll say that dress that you were wearing on that and that TikTok, I want to try that dress on. Did that happen? It did. And also what was really interesting, one of the the most important bits of feedback that we got from doing these TikToks is, oh my gosh, it's so amazing to see how these dresses move and what happens to the fabric when you dance and the way it kind of forms to the body, which I think is a really important part that the industry was lacking because there's so many still photos that can be photoshopped or edited if there's a wrinkle, if there's a crease, which then creates false false realities. Because when you do walk, there is a crease when you, you know, right at your hip, when you're walking in a fitted dress, it's going to crease. It's going to crease around the armpits and the let, like the arms, it's going to crease at your elbow there. The fabrics are going to move around, but in bridal, there wasn't really a lot of things that show how wedding dresses move. So I think that out of all the amazing things that came from TikTok, it's a little bit more of a realistic look of how things are going to be moving on wedding day versus a still shot image. And when you think about it, when a bride comes in to try on dresses, she's not really moving in it. She literally walks up to the pedestal and stands there and then yeah. walks back out. And so so th- this idea of how the gown moves is something that's 
that's really difficult for brides to envision. And TikToking and creating these videos really opened that that realm up of what the expectation is of how fabrics fit on bodies and how they move on bodies. That is incredible. Again, this kind of byproduct of an idea that really was so, so great in, in what you do, the modeling. And also to think about you're, when you're in a wedding dress, you are moving, you're dancing, you have to go from, you know, one guest to another. There is that piece that is kind of the undetermined thing until the wedding day. But here you are, you created a forum and a platform where brides got to experience that and see how that all came together. That is really cool. And I, I know that some of those videos and maybe all of them went viral. I mean, you had ones that were like getting so many views and what do you attribute that to? Oh, the viral stuff, you know, creativity, right? Taking a trend. So my, my formula, so to speak, is to take a trend that's happening on TikTok and put a twist to it that relates to my client. That's really the the, the main formula. Not all of them go viral, and and sp- funny ones go viral for the weirdest reasons. Like there was one video that I did that I was holding a clutch from our designer, and everybody in the comments it went nuts because they all thought it looked like I was holding a Chipotle burrito. So certain things go viral for the weirdest reasons that you wouldn't even anticipate. One of my wedding planner friends who Andrea Eppolito, she told me to get on TikTok back in December of 2019. So shout out to her for making me get on the platform. And when she told me, I said, no, do not give me another social media thing that I need to manage. You can go fly a kite. (laughs) And she was like, no, 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 but you have to be on it. Um, Her video went viral because she said, I wanted this ball room to have a beautiful, to feel like you're outdoors and we have tree trees. And she said tree trees and everybody in the comments went nuts. So it can be like a stumble of your words or something that people confuse for something else, you know, or it's just a trend that got, got tons of views. There's so many different reasons why things go viral. And then other videos, I'm like, why would you not go viral? And it doesn't go viral for months. And then you're discouraged because you spent over an hour for a 15 second video and it didn't go viral. And then you're like, oh, I want to pull my hair out. And then all of a sudden it'll go viral in the future. It doesn't go viral at all. But that's the name of the game. And I just tell people, don't get discouraged if your numbers don't go up and you don't see a huge um, increase in in views for whatever the reason. Just keep making content. The more content you put out there, the better. Yeah. So I'm going to turn to your you know, coaching and strategic planning and marketing side, because I know you're really, um, that is something that's a real strength for you. Uh, so if, if would you advise most businesses to use this platform or how does, do you think this would work for most businesses that really couldn't go, um, couldn't do the virtual shift? A hundred percent without a doubt. I mean, look, my philosophy is anything you do online, that is online real estate that is available for you and your company to put yourself out there. And yes, we get fixated on numbers, on metrics, on if people are looking at it. My philosophy is even if I spend X amount of time on this and I get two potential clients, well, guess what? That was worth my time because that would have been two potential clients that we didn't have our phone ring with, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So 
absolutely. You have to get creative. And there's so many different personalities that you can be on TikTok. You could be an educator. I mean, we're talking, people are up there giving advice on Bitcoin. People are giving advice on stocks. People are doing reviews of fashion. I mean, there's so many different personalities and ways in which you can utilize TikTok for your business. And I have this whole map that I've created for Lavella Bridal's social media presence and the way in which I use one, I create one item, whether that's an Instagram post or a TikTok and how I recycle it on different platforms. So for example, a TikTok will go on Instagram. It'll go on Facebook. It'll also go on Pinterest, right? Mm -hmm. So one piece of content I've created, I've now put in multiple channels that is, that is available for however that potential person consumes, right? So even if they're not on TikTok, well, they might be on Instagram. And if they're not on Instagram, they may be on Facebook. And if they're not on Facebook, they might be on Pinterest or any of the other social media platforms. So yes, it's important to be present all over and to recycle the content. I know that content creation is something that's very challenging for people to want to do. And also not everybody wants to be the face of a brand. And trust me, I kicked and screamed for years because I like to hide behind things and I don't really want people to know who I am. You wouldn't think that seeing me now and seeing the things I do, you wouldn't see that that's an upper limiting thing that I do for myself. But I like to be undercover. I don't really like people knowing me. But then I realized that that doesn't connect to my why. My why is to make a difference in women's lives, to make a difference in business owners' lives, just to make a difference in people's lives, to make them feel more confident and beautiful. And if I can't do that for myself, how can I serve others to make that happen for them? And so... Even So I'm here to tell you, even if you're uncomfortable creating content or not sure how to do it, you got to just get out there. Don't worry. Be crappy, as our <laughs> business coach likes to say, and get it out there because the only person you're hurting by not putting it out there is you. And I will follow up with this by, I just launched new videos on my YouTube channel and I did it yesterday and I was nervous all day yesterday of what are people going to think? It's a little bit different from the branding that I've done in the past. Is this going to be well-received? Is it not? Like all the self-doubt is there. And then I thought, gosh, Nairi, cut it out, cut it out because None of that serves anybody, including you. You put it out there. People are going to think what they're going to think. They're going to say what they're going to say. And it doesn't matter because you know what you're doing. You know your connection to your why. So stop allowing these barriers to stop you and stop putting walls up. Absolutely. And every business really can, uh, can, can figure a way to use these tools that we have access to. I mean, now we have reels, which is sort of exactly like TikTok, but on Instagram. But, you know, um, you actually got me into starting to get a little obsessed with TikTok. And I was, I thought it was so great. I still love it. It's just that I, you know, again, just blocking the time to do it consistently is, um, that's the challenge. But honestly, I thought it was a really great way to, to connect with people. And I, I got really good feedback, but there's always somebody on the sidelines waiting to say something critical, right? Oh. So I'm sure you, when you go viral, particularly, there's always going to be that person. How do you handle that just from a, you know, you're an entrepreneur that's always working on your confidence level. I mean, we all are. Well, how do you handle that? I'm not going to lie if I said like, to, I'm not going to lie and say that it doesn't bother me, right? Because we're all human and things get to us, especially, <clears throat> excuse me, especially when it's repetitive. So 
I think that uh, the main thing I do is I, I read it and I go, okay, well, a psychologist once told me who happens to be a family member, my aunt, she told me that people hurt others when they're hurting inside. Yeah. So when people are saying something or making fun of you or saying something that's not very encouraging, I often go, okay, well, this is someone who is feeling pain within and they feel the need to deflect that onto somebody else. I understand that. However, I'm not going to let that impact me. So I just rationalize it because it's very easy in business and anything you do to take things personally, to make it emotional, even if it's a bad review we got on Yelp or Google. And yeah, some of the reviews are true and some of them aren't. And that just is the name of the game. Can I overreact and make it a bigger deal than it needs to be? Absolutely. Have I done that? Absolutely. However, it serves no one especially me. It does not serve me to react to the thing. So I just become proactive and not reactive at things. And I have to remind myself of that regularly and really understand why would somebody do this? Okay. They're hurting inside. It's not personal. And even if it is personal, okay, well, if it's someone's close, that's not somebody I want to have in my life. That's not somebody I want in my support system. And if it's a complete stranger, I wish you the best of luck. Yeah, there is Anairi, the psychologist, because as entrepreneurs, we really have to have an insight, that awareness, right, of people's emotions. So I feel like as my journey as an entrepreneur, I feel like so much of what I do is related to psychology, client psychology, the way people think. But you also have to, you know, work on yourself because in entrepreneur, the entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. I mean, you have, you go through low lows, but the highs are highs and you have to be able to weather the storm um, and to stick with things, even though you feel like, oh, that was a a letdown. That was a letdown and just not let that get you down. So there is so much self-awareness that you have to build in. So, so I guess the, the, the moral of that story is even if you're a business that is considering using a platform like TikTok, don't let that hold you back. Just do it. It is, it's just about really doing it. So, and can I add one more thing, Christine? Yes, please. You don't even have to show your face. You could do like a vlog of how something is made if you're a manufacturer and do a voiceover on it. There's so many different ways you could do a photo collage of things. There's so many different ways that you can utilize it. And literally what we do is we take our TikToks and we upload them onto Reels. I don't make new content on Reels. I'm just recycling Mm -hmm. content that's already been made. So a lot of people look at our TikTok and think, oh gosh, too, it's too out front and center. You don't have to do it the way that I'm doing it. Pay attention to what other people within your industry are doing or other industries that you could apply potentially to your business and just do what they're doing if it works. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And I just, I, I, I learned so much from you when we were talking about TikTok initially and everything. And I just thought everybody, every business owner should hear this information, should hear how you, how you got started in doing it and what prompted you. Um, So let me just ask you as the, as the wedding fashion expert, how did you, that journey, right? You obviously don't turn into a wedding fashion expert overnight, but your journey, you had this path and which led you to really um, everything that you've done, the collection of everything you've done and just being such a dynamic uh, entrepreneur. Tell me how you got started with that. Just as, you know, if somebody's listening is being inspired by you right now, um, like just give us that insight both story. Totally. So <clears throat> wedding fashion expert was born 
because I was sitting in a seminar for business owners and entrepreneurs. And I will tell you the number one thing is to constantly be educating yourself. So the thing with me is that I'm always educating myself. I'm always learning and I'm seeking growth and I'm taking action on it. And I think that that is a really big and important component because for someone who wants to grow and wants to do things, a lot of times we're scared and we don't want to educate and we don't want to take those leaps that are really uncomfortable. Mm. So that's something that I had to make peace with, right? I had to take the leaps that were uncomfortable because I had achieved everything I wanted to achieve at a very young age. Everything came much earlier than I anticipated. And it didn't come to me because it was handed to me. I worked really hard for it. But it just all happened so much faster than I anticipated. I thought it would have been, I thought what would have been an eight-year journey, it happened in two years. And I was a little naive about timelines in terms of, I, I thought I was dreaming big, but in reality, I wasn't dreaming big enough because my big dream happened so much faster than I ever thought imaginable, which is a blessing However, at the same time, I was questioning if I was worthy of this type of success. Am I worthy of receiving this type of success at a young age and achieving all the things I wanted so soon to the point where it's like, okay, well, now what next? What do I do next? I never thought I'd be asking myself that as a 20-something-year-old. I thought that I would have been in my 30s and then asking myself that, right? And so I was sitting in a seminar and it was all about publishing a book and writing a book. So I outlined all the things that the the speaker was saying. And I looked down at my notebook, looked over at my brother that was sitting next to me. And I said, I'm writing a book. It's called I'm Getting Married and I Have Nothing to Wear. The cover of the book is going to be me from my lips down. So nobody knows it's me. Pure Nairi here, right? No, but I want to hide behind everything. <laughs> no one's going to know it's me. I'm going to wear the Malona Blonix that uh, Carrie Bradshaw wore in Sex in the City. And the irony in this is my horse that I have right now, her name is Sax in the City, and I didn't name her. She came with that name, and I named her Charlotte as her bar name. So the way my world works is very fascinating, just the the little things that have led me in the different directions. So anyway, I end up publishing this. I end up writing the book, and I almost didn't publish it because there's the self-sabotage. You can cue that in right there. You know, why am I putting this out there? This book is stupid. Who's going to read it? All the negative thoughts that every entrepreneur and any human being thinks about, right? And if you if you tell me that you don't have those negative thoughts, I'm going to just tell you right now you're lying because you do. We all do. And that's the nature of the game is being a human being on earth. So... I almost didn't publish it. My business coach was like, you are publishing this. And I said, okay, fine. If I publish it, let's just hypothetically say, this is how I make decisions. I think about all the pros and the cons and all the potential outcomes of the decision that I'm making. And if I can handle all the cons, I'm all in. So I said, okay, let's walk it through. I I published this book. What am I really doing with it? What is my end goal with the book? And we did this whole map and I still have it. I've saved it. In 2018, we mapped out what wedding fashion expert would be. And if you are a business person, you know, the first thing you check is a domain name. And if that domain name's available, you're, you're soaring. Domain was available. You know, same thing, Christine, we had this conversation with Waste Up Wardrobe, right? The domain was available, done. I mean, it's a no-brainer because every name you pick is never available. So Wedding Fashion Expert was available everywhere. And I thought, damn it, I'm doing this. Within a week, I had a website. I had photos taken. I had the book cover shot. And here we go. And my goal for this was to publish the book, have a YouTube series, 
educate bridal stores, become a speaker for the wedding industry and provide education to entrepreneurs as a whole, but particularly within the wedding space. I wanted everyone to learn from the mistakes that I made. And if I can teach someone and make make their journey a little bit more successful with less trial and error than me, I wanted to do that. So it again, and that was like on fast forward and happened so quickly. And then the podcast was born and all these different things that I now have was born. And so that's really the journey of wedding fashion expert. It, It is a testament to me overcoming my upper limiting beliefs and really just putting it out there And one thing led to another. And then I had so many bridal stores reading my book. They were asking for more education and stores were using it as a training tool for their stylist. That led me to creating online courses for other bridal stores and really educating and diving in to helping the industry as a whole because... I can't open Lavella bridles all over the world. I just, I won't do it. I don't want to do it. It's too much for me. I am such a hands-on person. If it's too out of reach, I, I just, I don't want to do that personally. So I thought, okay, I'm going to help other stores touch all the brides that I can't personally touch with Lavella. That's amazing. That is exactly uh, what entrepreneurs should do. You know, a lot of people are in the custom space, which you've created a very customized client experience. A lot of us, um, I feel similarly to you, is that we want to give that hands-on, you know, nurturing kind of leading, guiding, coaching experience that is different for every individual because every bride is different and every individual is different. So I, I mean, I totally resonate with this. You just gave the audience a wealth of information of how to create their big picture vision. And I hope when people listen to this replay or anybody's listening to it right now to really uh, mark the spot, because what you just did was you just gave a coaching nugget there that is so valuable. So I hope people really pay attention to that and, and get, out of that, um, get a lot out of that. You covered something I was going to ask you next, which is the most important trait you think an entrepreneur should have. And I guess it's that lifelong learning, being educating yourself, which completely I I resonate with that as well. Um, Is that, did I just put words in your mouth or or would you say that's the most important trait? That is, there's so many important traits. I believe resilience is, is you need to be resilient. Um, You want to be able to look, I can't tell you how many times I have like sobbed it. What the hell am I doing? Is this really what I want to be doing? Questioning because things get hard and you question. So I think as an entrepreneur, you need to be resilient. You have to be action-based. You can't be too afraid of things. You have to have this fearless thing where you're just going to, okay, I'm jumping off the cliff now. Ready, set, go. And it's just this thing that, you know, and yeah, you need to continually educate yourself and take action. Don't just talk about it. Be about it. Take action. There's nothing worse than just talking about it and talking about it and talking about it and not doing it. Or someone, if, if you're hearing the same thing over and over and over again, listen to it because there's a reason why people keep telling you the same exact thing. So yeah, you're spot on and just everything else I just said. And I, you know, it's, it's really a crazy journey. And like you said in the beginning, Christine, this is not a journey for the faint of hearts. You really got to have tough skin. And of course, you're going to have breakdowns occasionally. It's, it's part of the, the process and the growth and the learning of it. 
The, the last thing I'll add is dream bigger than you are because when you think you're dreaming big, you're truly not dreaming big enough. And that's something that I always have to reevaluate because I'll think, oh my God, this is going to be so cool. I'm going to get it. And then I get it. I'm like, God, I really thought small. That wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. So dream bigger than you're dreaming. Dream bigger yeah. than you're dreaming. I love that. That is such good advice. That that whole idea of resiliency. I think I agree. I think that being adaptable, being that adaptability quotient, and we've spoken um, about that in an earlier show um, on the mindset series for entrepreneurs, um, is that that is so important. Exactly what happened, and an example of that is what happened in this last year when people had to go virtual or had to shift their thinking. That is adaptability. And the people who really had that in them, survived, persisted, hung on. And, you know, those that struggled through that really had a harder time. But that is, it's so true. I, I completely agree with that. Um, I have a fun question. Uh, what has been, what is your favorite wedding dress of all time? <laughs> Who makes it? And is that, is it okay for me to ask you that? Yeah, I, it is. It is. Yeah. It okay. is. So it's a dress from, so, okay. First of all, this is not to single out any designers, not to be offensive, not to be any of those things. I love, uh, everybody always asks me what my favorite dress is. And the bottom line is, is I'm one of the buyers at Lavella. So every dress that we've bought <laughs> is there for a reason. And it's purchased for a particular bride for, you know, whoever. However, in 2011, I was at the Ines de Santo runway show in New York City and a dress came out on the runway and it literally brought me to tears. And the name of that dress it was is Carlotta. It's no longer. It's not a dress that's available, but it was just this beautiful off-the-shoulder traditional ball gown and it just had me in tears. And I don't know if it was the song, the moment, the design. I loved it. I dressed a lot of brides in that dress and it, it's very... That is... I think maybe also too, that was 2011 is when I graduated college and really dove into this industry wholeheartedly and took it as my career. So I think that that was also the beginning marker of this new journey that I was on. And it was just a dress that really stuck with me from that year since. But I, I love so many dresses for so many reasons. Yeah, no, I I, I, th- I was just so curious about that because, you know, being in the industry, you see so many dresses and it's like, it's hard to choose because they're each so unique in their own right. And, it's, but I just, you know, I, and, and, and it's kind of unfair for me to ask you to choose, but I just thought, ah, let's see, let's give it a yeah. shot. So if we were to think of a famous dress, you know, a famous um, celebrity dress or, you know, royal dress, or do you have a favorite just of all time? I don't. Oh, well, that's okay. So the one wedding that came out, Whitney Port, what was she on? She was on the TV show on like the, on MTV or something back in the day. I really loved her look because it was almost like, I'm trying to jog it from my memory, but like a t-shirt type, a high, low, she had shoes, very modern, not traditional at all. And her, her hair was just, it almost looked like she had rolled out of bed that morning and just casually strolled on for her wedding day. And I just thought, wow, what an effortless look that not many people can pull off. And I just thought it, that really took my breath away. And I thought, ah, oh, that is a cool look. So I think that she's the one that comes to mind first. I really did love Hailey Bieber's look. Like if we're talking the most recent, but I think one that really took my breath away the way Carlotta did would be Whitney Port's wedding yeah. dress. 
Yeah. So that's interesting because also now it's not only about the dress, it's about the woman in the dress or the person in the dress. Right. And, and, and how those two connect, it's almost like this, like, did you say there was a marriage between, I I don't know if you were referring to the bride and the dress, but there's this sort of um, connection. It's like the fitting in that, that pieces to the puzzle and what complements that, that person and makes them really shine on this day that is, you know, the most, one of the most important days of their lives. So um, I, I love that you brought up, you know, it was, it was not this fancy traditional dress. It was more about how the whole look came together, the overall feeling of harmony and, and perfection really. So that's a really a good point. So um, as we wrap up, I just wanted to ask, is there, are there any tools out there for brides to be that they can use to figure out what would fit them better? Like, you know, there are, we have, you know, women come in all shapes and sizes, like, you know, shorter women need a different um, a different style. And, and, and this might be a very big answer to a, a question, which I'm making very simple, but are there any tools out there for brides to be that they can, or, or books, or I assume your book is one of them that they can use to really, um, d- decide that. Yeah. So I actually filmed a whole YouTube video on different bridal gown shapes. It's not live yet, but it will be. So you can subscribe to my channel and put reminders on so that you can get an alert when that video goes live. But definitely my YouTube channel and my book has so much on this. But the one thing that I'll give you here right now is... Do not assume just because you have a certain body type that certain things are going to look good on you or not going to look good on you. I can dress various different body types in the same exact dress and it somehow highlights and contours the brides differently, but in the right way for them. It's it's the most yeah. fascinating thing as a stylist to dress multiple brides in the same exact dress and how their personality and body shape, it just forms, the dress forms to their body beautifully. So my biggest advice here is try things on, experiment, be open-minded and just try it on. Give it a shot. Even if you think you're not going to like it, try it because there is no formula. If I have a short body, X, Y, and Z is going to look good on me or X, Y, and Z is not going to look good on me. You never know because all of us are built so differently. You might be petite in height, but maybe you have a longer torso or you have longer legs and a shorter torso. So things are, everybody's dimensions are different. And it's fascinating to see, you know, this is crazy to me too. Like the Carlotta dress that I was just mentioning from Inez, my favorite part about that dress is if a, if a bride had a really big chest, it made her breast look smaller. And if a bride had small had a small chest, it made her look like she had bigger boobs. It was the weirdest thing. It's the same dress, but somehow it highlighted what some brides wanted highlighting. And then it also concealed elements. It was like magic before your eyes. Weirdest thing, but this happens all the time. So just because you see a picture online or something that your friend wore and you know your body type in bridal, the same rules of fashion don't apply to other aspects of fashion. So just experiment, try on and be open-minded. Yeah, that is so, that is a really good point. It's like, you don't want to judge it before you actually experience it for yourself. Because again, it goes back to, it's about the woman that is going to go in the dress. It's about the, you know, so, and it's about the marriage of both of them together. Um, I didn't intend that pun, but there you go. Um, Okay. It's the best pun. It is. Now I'm going to use it all the time. I Um, use it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can, that's part of what, you know, you do. Um, So one of the things I want to close out with is what is your very favorite moment in the wedding um, 
process, that that planning process pre-wedding? My favorite moment in the pre-wedding, I mean, look, I'm biased. This is such a biased answer. My favorite moment is when I've put that dress on the bride and I know it's the right dress. Like we all, like when everything aligns and it just clicks and it's it's a magic in front of your eyes, truly. So that's that's my favorite, that's my favorite part. I'm totally yeah. biased. Yeah, no, I can see why. How about during the wedding? I mean, have you ever attended some of the weddings or, or watched some of the weddings that you've styled people for? What that moment, what's that one moment um, that really is is kind of that magical moment in your mind? 100% the ceremony when the fiance sees the bride for the first time. Oh, yeah. You know, that reminds me of that movie. Right, that movie where there was a wedding planner and that and and um, oh, is that the J Lo movie? Yes, well, yes, I love that movie. Yeah, love yeah. that movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder why. Anyway, Nairi, I enjoyed so much our conversation. Not only have we gotten a little bit of insight into the bridal industry um, and what people can do as entrepreneurs in general when they can't really um, go virtual or take their business remote. That is such a wealth of information there. But we also got a lesson in strategic planning for big picture vision. I mean, that is what makes you such a legend in this industry. I feel so honored that you're here. Um, and I, I'm, I'm so appreciative of our friendship and, and our and our professional relationship. I really, really appreciate you. But as we wrap up um, the Waste Up Wardrobe um, episode 39, we always wrap up with the Waste Up Wardrobe weekly wrap up. Give us the main takeaway um, from your conversation today. My main takeaway. Yeah. Oh, or that you want, no, the takeaway that you want to tell people to take away. Perfect. From. Perfect. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. you cut out just a teeny bit. Okay. So the main takeaway for everybody tuning in would be dream bigger because you're not dreaming big enough. Stop talking about it. Be about it. And the third one would be have some fun, have some fun and enjoy. Thank you for tuning in, Christine. Thank you for allowing me to be here. This is, I, I love any opportunity to be with you and just to help other entrepreneurs as a whole. I'm, I'm game. And this is this is just truly wonderful. So thank you for having this platform and for having me. Yeah. And one action item or a couple action items that we could put people right into action about maybe utilizing one of those platforms. platforms. Give it to oh. our audience. Oh, get on. If you don't have a TikTok, get a TikTok now. I hope that you got that. Sorry. I just, I have, I assumed that was assumed that after this conversation, my bad, never make an assumption. Yeah, definitely get on TikTok, get on every platform. If, if I, if you didn't take away from this, that the way in which I recycle one content I use and really make it work for me on the web, that is real estate that, that is literally doesn't cost you anything to put content out there, just your time. So why wouldn't you? It would be a shame not to make that TikTok account, stalk people, stalk me, see what I'm doing, take my trends, do it. They're not my trends. They're other trends that other people are doing. Everybody copies each other on TikTok. So don't be ashamed to do it. Absolutely. That is one major thing that we all have to remember, right? We we are not copying. We're taking it and changing it into our flavor and our personality. Uh, Nairi, thank you so much for being here. I so appreciate you. Um, there you have it, Waste Up Wardrobe Nation. Uh, that is everything you need to know about how to take a platform like TikTok and utilize it for your you know, remote work uh, or connecting with clients and taking it and then repurposing it. I mean, that is just 
such a wealth of information for any business owner, whether you can go remotely or you can't, you, you should try and put, in, put that into, into action. Well, thank you for joining us here today. Join us next week here at the same time, same place, 1130 Pacific Standard Time on Facebook at Waste Up Wardrobe, where we're going to be interviewing another special guest who's going to be talking to us a little bit about how to show up on camera consistently and authentically by the day, the everyday videos that you make to connect with your audience, uh, whether it's on Facebook or Instagram. She's going to tell you how she does it, and she's going to also give you her tips for how to really be comfortable in front of that camera show up authentically and make sure you can stay doing it consistently. But uh, you know the drill. You have to show up next Thursday at 1130. And if you're so inclined, invite a friend to join us too.